0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sci-Fi Unchained. Really quick, I wanted to invite you all to join our social media just to keep up to date on any channel announcements, as well as our Patreon page, Sci-Fi Unchained Stories, where you can find tons of exclusive content, such as science fiction short stories, science fiction treatises, concept art, videos from old episodes. So if you enjoy the show, hop on over and support the channel. It'll create a whole bunch of new and exciting opportunities. Thank you guys so much for your avid listenership and support. Now enjoy the show. Okay, let's get into it. Loki episode one. Oh my goodness. I had a few apprehensions about this show. I was so wrong. It Well, at least as far as the first episode goes. These shows coming out with their very first episodes, they are a bit misleading because they're amazing, and they seem to be some of the best episodes of the series. WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Bad Batch. Episode one of all of these series have been second to none. Now... The, this show, right? Episode 1, glorious purpose, I'd say a glorious new beginning. The show starts off at the end of Loki's part in Avengers Endgame, where he steals the Tesseract back in 2012 and escapes Thor's custody. Now, the um, of course, the opening title screen comes up and... Like WandaVision's color-changing tint with the Marvel Studios logo, this show has the color changing uh, to Loki-style green with a bit of gold, which is really nice. So, Loki ends up in the Gobi Desert and gets picked up and arrested by the Time Variant Authority, headed up by the three entities known as the Timekeepers, who are created by He Who Remains, the last... Remaining, I can't remember if he was just an agent or if he was a director of the Time Variance Authority. Now, the, in he was at the, the end of the universe. That Now, the Time Variance Authority, I don't know too much about them. But I do know that they appear very sparsely throughout the uh, Marvel comics. But whenever they do show up, it's pretty significant and, and the, the events that take place are, are of, of grave importance. Um, but the, the timekeepers resulted in, or rather they were a result of, um, the previous universe and it's heat death. So universes die, it's called heat death. And there's like the last remaining agent or director called He Who Remains. He created uh, what was called as the Time Twisters. Now the Time Twisters were flawed and they, they had a whole bunch of things wrong with them. So what He Who Remains ended up doing was saying, okay, scrap that project and made the Time Keepers. Now the Time Keepers were meant to Keep the the chaos that sort of happened that resulted in the heat death of the universe from happening again. Um, and Loki's arrest at the beginning of the episode gave us the first of many hilarious moments of this show, <laughs> where Loki gets hit in the face and and he gets slowed down to one sixteenth speed of normal time an effect of getting punched by a variance agent, assumedly. Uh, And then Loki gets processed by the authority, and the whole sequence is absolutely hilarious on a couple of different levels. Um, Mind you, this is 2012 Loki, not the Loki that's been through a staggering 10 years of character development. So he's still very haughty and arrogant and refers to himself as a god all the time and he's bent on domination right now the processes that he goes through is very reminiscent of both the styles used in say thor ragnarok as especially with the the robot thing that thor encounters that cuts his hair and then uh, the robot thing with the face that uh dematerializes Loki's clothes so it it has a a bit of that feel to it also feels very much like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where we get to see behind the veil of who exactly is governing uh, when and how things happen and how things run Uh, it has the Ragnarok silliness and the Hitchhiker's Guide feel that the universe is being run by a bureaucratic entity <laughs> um, that also has this very analog 1970s design to everything uh, it also kind of feels that way in the sense of uh, we we get sort of the feel that this is a kind of an afterlife or maybe it's outside of life outside of time I think the variance exists outside of time. I'm pretty sure it does. Um, especially in the part where Loki gets his clothes dematerialized. Um, very much reminded me of the Doctor Who season one reboot um, episode where Captain Jack's clothes get dematerialized right off his body on live television. Um, so Loki falls through a trap door and immediately and inexplicably has some prison jumpsuit on and is met by a desk jockey who has a cat that instantly wants belly rubs. And the desk jockey is asking for Loki to sign a mountain of document that verifies that is everything he has ever said. And Loki's kind of like, what? And then another piece of paper prints out, assumingly with... What he just said in the desktop, he slaps it on top of the documents. He says, all right, this too. <laughs> Again, a, a whole bunch of that. That's the beauty of writing comedy for shows like this. There's no one gut busting moment. There's just a whole bunch of tickle moments sprinkled throughout the show. And I love it. Uh, next Loki has to go through this metal detector looking thing where a guy asks him to confirm that he is an organic being. He is not a robot and has what many cultures would call a soul (laughs) and tells Loki that if he is a robot, the machine will roast him from the inside out. Loki has that existential crisis moment that we all have wondering, well, what if I am a robot and I just didn't know it? Do a lot of people have that? (laughs) this is a really funny moment for those of us who enjoy sci-fi that, that love shows or movies like Battlestar Galactica or Blade Runner. And the deadpan of the employees also is a a huge factor in making these interactions hilarious or at least very enjoyable. And when, when they get to the exposition about uh, how there was this war fought between multiple timelines, a, a multiversal war, um, exposed by Miss Minutes, this clock with a face and arms and legs, voiced by Tara Strong, huge Tara Strong fan. Um, so there was this war, which the timekeepers halted and created the singular sacred timeline. Now, assumedly, they did this at, at, after the heat death of the previous universe, which may have been a result of this multiversal war. I, I, I guess we'll, we'll find out later on. Um, <laughs> another variant uh, like Loki gets, gets fried and completely disintegrated. Loki gets really scared and holds up his ticket. <laughs> it's another good chuckle. Um, we finally get the title card, and the theme is very 80s in, in the sound score and sci-fi kind of spooky. The And the constantly changing Loki title reminds me quite a lot of uh, Twilight Zone or one of, one of uh, what was it, Lost that did that? I, I think it. I think it may have in one season or another. Uh, anyway, we get Owen Wilson's character Mobius, Mobius, who's uh, in the comics is actually one of countless dozens of Mobiuses uh, running around doing the good work of the Authority. He's in France, fifteen forty nine, and he's inspecting a murder scene done by a variant. Um, variants murdered a whole bunch of time. Various authority agents, and they seem to pick up on some clues when a man in a suit walks through a portal and hands Mobius uh, Loki's file. We then see Loki on trial, where we get a few interesting tidbits of info. The Avengers messing with the timeline in Endgame was supposed to happen, and that the timeline appears to be predetermined and set in stone by the dictates of the timekeepers. And anything that happens outside of their designs is considered a variation, and the perpetrator of said variation is to be put on trial and either, quote-unquote, reset or summarily executed. Loki drops an interesting line saying that, you bureaucrats will not di- dictate how my story ends, to which the judge tells him it was never his story. Interestingly enough, outside of context, she's right. Uh, up until now, Loki was never a main character. He was always just a secondary character. And the, the judge mentioning how the timeline is supposed to play out uh, brings up an interesting discussion, right? Does that mean that everything is, is laid out predetermined it's it's the free will versus divine plan argument right which is which which is true um is everything happening because it's supposed to happen that way or is everything happening because everybody has the free will to do everything it seems that there is a mix of both in this instance there is a plan how everything is supposed to go and usually will go that way, it seems. But people still have free will. And it, it does appear that if that free will leads to a place where the timekeepers don't want it to, then it could inevitably end up in another multiverse war somehow. It's, it's still a little confusing to me. But Mobius gets Loki off the hook. Of being quote unquote reset. Um, so it seems that the show will follow the classic story trope of the wise old cop making use of the dangerous criminal no one wants to have any hope for, but he wants to use the criminal to solve big crimes. Um, so Mobius interrogates Loki and presses him with a lot of questions, uh, reviewing his past misdeeds, including where he was D.B. Cooper for some reason, (laughs) who snuck a bomb onto a plane and held it for ransom, got paid his ransom money and jumped off the plane, never to be seen again, which actually happened in real life. What a crazy, fun, random adaptation. (laughs) Especially because who actually remembers who D.B. Cooper is nowadays? Or was, rather. Um, Loki then leads Mobius and a few authority agents around on a wild goose chase. Uh, where he comes across a cart full of infinity stones and an employee who says that some people at the authority like to use them for paperweights and that they get a lot of infinity stones. Uh, Loki kind of has another little break and he says, is this the ultimate power in the universe? I mean, they treat infinity stones like they're garbage. (laughs) Um, so Loki doubles back and watches a full run through of his life as it was played out in the movies that we have been seeing for the past 10 years. Um, he, he goes through a wide range of emotion and realizations, uh, watching everything from his mother getting killed by dark elves to his father dying of old age, I guess. Um, and seeing his other self kind of accept and and realize the acceptance of his father uh, as uh, actually one of his sons not just as this adopted brat that he thought his father may have saw him as um then he sees thanos uh kill him (laughs) which was i mean that's pretty heavy, <laughs> uh, especially if you know that it's real and it actually is meant to happen. Like, If you could see your death and know that is what is going to happen to you no matter what you do, because it's supposed to be that way, that's pretty stinking heavy, dude. <laughs> so Mobius comes back in and Loki enters into this steady agreement with the authority and Mobius. Um. As Mobius reveals that they kind of need Loki's help hunting down, well, Loki. (laughs) Um, This looks to be a really fun show right from the get-go, especially as it was almost an hour-long episode, Uh, something I've been critical of Disney Plus for, uh, for not doing with their releases... making them making their shows in general just a good length because th- they're stinking Disney. They have more money than Jesus, right? <laughs> like they they have the capability to make say the the Bad Batch is the one I'm most critical of right now. They have the ability to make them full thirty long minute episodes of actual content not just content plus end credits, which the end credits take up like seven whole minutes. So it's usually going to be a 20 to 23 minute episode, which is bogus. Though from what I've seen in this show, looking like it's movie quality, uh, just like WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I believe from what I've read in, in articles and interviews and things, this show looks like it's going to solve that issue for me and pay attention to that criticism. And I really hope it does. I I want at least a good 40, 45-minute episode per week. That would be amazing. If I got 40, 40 to 45-minute episodes of this every week, I will be ecstatically happy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I thought of the episode. Um, it looks to be really stinking awesome. Um, it looks like it's gonna rival WandaVision for me. I didn't really care about Falcon and the Winter Soldier that much. Didn't really do that much for me. Um, it just kind of served to introduce Mm. the playing field with a couple of new characters and where our old characters stood and, you know, all that good stuff. But yeah, uh, I really look forward to the show. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in to more Sci-Fi Unchained, and stick around. There's going to be plenty more. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends. And may the Force be with us all.